this week and next week and we'll be finished Philippians. By that point in time, you'll all have nine verses that you've memorised. Why? Uh, they're all laughing. Uh, but let me encourage you that I'd love you to be able to do that. Uh, nine verses out of Philippians. There's hundreds of them there. You only need to pick nine. Uh, be a great opportunity to having God's Word in your brain. Uh, and we're going to be thinking about that this morning. We're going to be thinking about what that looks like for us as well. I'm not going to test you on those this week, but maybe next week I'll get you to tell me nine verses. Maybe not. Anyway, it'd be good if we had some of them there, wouldn't it? Uh, how about I pray, and then we'll look at uh, Philippians chapter 4 together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good it is to uh, spend time together in your word. Uh, Lord, it's been great to sing. It's been great to pray. It's been great to talk. It's been great to hear our kids singing and praising you, Lord. Uh, it's good now for us uh, to take time uh, to look at your word together, to think about uh, what you have to say to us through it, Lord. We pray this morning that you'll open up our hearts and our minds to you and we'll be open to the work of your spirit as it applies your word to our hearts and our lives, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to accept this award. It's been a wonderful thing. Uh, we've gone really hard here. And the other thing I'd like to do is I'd like to see world peace. Oh, life's been going on for such a long time. Things have been really hard. I'm going to go to India to find my peace. Man, as I smoke this joint, man, he's peace, man. I really, I really feel like I can feel that peace coming, man. I can feel that peace. It's just on its way, man. So good, man. That peace is just so good. Oh, man, just get out of my house. Man, I just need some peace. Just get out of here. I need peace. Have you heard that before? Have you said that before? Have you smoked that before? Ah... Uh, no, you want to admit it right in front of us. Some of us might have to put our hands up if that was the case. Um, we've heard it, haven't we? Uh, those announcements when they've won something and what they want is world peace, that sense that we've got to go somewhere else, some other country to find that peace, uh, that sense that I need to smoke something, or that fact that if I just had no kids and no family, I could have some peace. Everyone's laughing at that one because we know we feel that one intently, don't we? Uh, we search for it, don't we? We, we desire it, uh, we want it, uh, we find all sorts of ways to try and get that peace. Uh, but where can we find it? Where can we find peace? Where can we find true peace? A peace that lasts. Don't give it away yet, Annette. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. We just want to <laughs> let it run. It's true, but we're going to think more about that even today because uh, we can say we can find it in Jesus, but do we? Uh, we talk about it, but do we experience it? So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, 4 this morning, sorry, verse 2 through to verse 9 because I think within that we hear the truth and we can find peace and we can experience peace as well. So open up your Bibles, uh, have a look at Philippians chapter 4 
verses 2 to 9. It will be on the screen if you want to read it there or if you want to have it in your hand. Uh, it's handy when you have it in your hand uh, because you can flip backwards and forwards and you can look at it and see it when it's not just on the screen in front of you. Uh, Betty Dees is away today, so I'll try and do my best Scottish accent. No, wait. Uh, I'll just read it for you. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 through to verse 9. This is uh, a beautiful part of the Bible, and if you wanted to learn uh, a section of Philippians, this is a great one to learn. But I'm praying today that it won't be just something that you learn, but it'll be something that'll be real for you personally and for us together. Says uh, verse two, I plead with you, you Odia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again: Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ our Lord. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever ever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? Uh, it talks about the peace of God and it talks about the peace with God. He talks about peace that he desires between two women that's not there and then he talks about the peace that we can experience and we can know that we can have when we know Jesus. Uh, the peace that he talks about here is the peace that comes from the word shalom. Uh, those who know uh, a little bit of Hebrew or would have heard this or have been to Israel, or even if you haven't, you might have heard uh, people use this. It's a greeting that they use, uh, the Jewish people use. It's shalom. And, and that's equivalent to the word that we use here in the Bible called peace. And it's good for us to think about that because this word shalom doesn't just mean the uh, removal of war or the removal of anger or the removal of situations. What it means is a sense of completeness, of wholeness. Shalom is a sense of having that internal sense that you know who you are and you are at peace and you have a wholeness and a centeredness in God. For the Jewish religion, it's in God uh, the Father in a sense. For us, for you and I, it's in Jesus. If you read through Philippians from the beginning and you got to here, there is no way that you could miss the fact that Paul is all about Jesus that he's passionate about Jesus and he's passionate for people to know Jesus. He's passionate for Jesus and people to know him and to rejoice in him and have a joy in him and then to have a peace in him. And in that he's talking about the fact that when we know Jesus and have put our trust in him, then we have a deep 
centered sense of wholeness, of completeness that we are in Christ. Doesn't mean that we don't have brokenness around us, doesn't mean that we don't have cracks uh, in the sense that we're not perfect. It's not saying that, but in Him we are being made whole. And in Jesus, we know who we are. And in that centeredness, in that wholeness, then we have a peace. A peace that enables us to live in the world. Uh, and Paul's going on to say that now, doesn't he? He just doesn't say it, uh, but he goes on to explain that in a number of different circumstances. We're going to see in the first couple of verses that he has peace amongst believers. Uh, in the next few verses, he's going to say that we have peace within ourselves, both in our mind and our body. Uh, and then he's going to talk about how that completed with the peace from God. It's a beautiful passage. Uh, there is no way that we can possibly delve into every part of it this morning, but we're going to touch into it. We're going to take a sense to get in there, and I pray as we come out of this, we'll go home from here and we'll spend more time in it and think about it. You see the first couple of ones there that Paul talks about a peace between two people. Uh, he says there between Euodia and Syntyche, they're two women. Uh, now the really interesting part about this is that Paul mentions their name, which obviously it's important, but he doesn't mean, and they are Greek too, that's true, and that's important too, but the interesting thing is he doesn't tell you what they are in argument about. Because that's not the point, Paul says. It's not that they are, have a problem with one another or there's a dispute between them, but there's a problem that it's causing division amongst them. He doesn't deal specifically with the issue that they're dealing with, but he deals with the issue of division that's even more important. Uh, you notice that it's not to do with theology. It's not the fact that these people don't know Jesus. It's not the fact that these people uh, don't understand the gospel because he says they were contending with him, weren't they? Since they contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. They knew Jesus and it was about, they were on the same side. They were on the same page when it came to understanding about Jesus and what that's about. But something was going underneath that was causing them an issue. There was something going on that they were having friction over. That's a good reminder for us too, isn't it? Paul's not saying uh, that in the church it's all going to be rosy all the time. There's going to be division. We are going to have times when we rub up against other. You know, we're, we're a whole bunch of sinful, sinful people all together. We're going to bump each other. We're going to knock each other. We're going to feel that angst every now and then. But Paul says there's one thing more important. What's most important is that there's no division, that there is unity and peace amongst the body. And for the sake of that, Euodia and Syntyche come to the same mind. Doesn't he say that? To be of the same mind in the Lord. You know, he doesn't say, well, you know, you've got a problem with the music, go and sort the music out. Oh, you don't like the way that they clean the toilets, go and sort out the toilets. You don't like the fact that you've given something to the church and they're not using it. That's not what he's on about, is it? There's something bigger than that. And that's the gospel. To be of the same mind. It's easy for us to get down on the petty, isn't it? 
stuff annoys us. People don't do the things that we want them to do. And, ah, oh, you want to get angry about that? And you want to get frustrated about that? But in the end, Paul says, no, 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 that stuff needs to be dealt with and sorted out. But it needs to be more important that you're in unity together. That that isn't to divide us. You see, Paul says peace between believers is vitally important. It's vitally important for relationships, but it's vitally important for the picture that our church, the people in church, show the rest of the world. It's a witness to the world to show that we are unified in Jesus. If we are divisive within ourselves, then how can we possibly say that this Jesus is the one that actually brings us together? He says we need to work hard at that. And you notice what he says? He says that we actually need to be of the same mind. When does he mention that in Philippians 2 earlier? That's where Philippians 2 comes in. What did Paul say to us there? That we are to have the same mind as... Yeah, it reflects the gospel of Christ. We are to have the same mind as Christ, who what? Who humbled himself and gave up his life. He humbled himself and went to the cross. You see, we are to have the same mind that we are to be humility and humble people amongst each other. That we don't have it all right, that we don't have it all sorted. And there are going to be times when we don't, when we rub each other and annoy each other. But we've got to come together amongst that. We've got to rise above that. We've got to say that sometimes you do annoy me. And sometimes we need to go and ask for forgiveness. And we need to give forgiveness. And sometimes we're just going to say, well, we just have to agree to disagree on that. Because the gospel is more important. Sometimes we're just going to have to do that. Because we are to be of the same mind, a mind that is humble like Jesus. You see, it's not about the gospel. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything, isn't it? We have got that solid. That's what Paul has continually reminded us. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But we need to be working at having peaceful relationships amongst each other. And I reckon we do that pretty well most of the time. Uh, but we need to make sure that we do that well. We're going to make sure that we don't let things get under our skin to the point where it bubbles up and causes division. Uh, in our gospel communities, and particularly in ours, we have this uh, unwritten law that says that we are to agree to disagree agreeably and we add in Christ Jesus. We are to agree, to disagree agreeably in Christ Jesus. There are going to be times when we're just not going to see it completely right on some of the stuff that's around. Maybe we're going to find it a little bit difficult. But there are times when we need to say, well, okay, that's not about the gospel. We need to be unified on that, partners in that. And these other things we need to let go for the sake of unity. But you notice also too that Paul says that they are to make the effort to make peace. He pleads with Yodi and Syntyche to be of the same mind. There should be never an opportunity, there should be never the saying amongst you and I here, well I'm going to wait for them to make the first move. We should never say that. Paul doesn't say it, does he? The gospel doesn't allow us to do that. We are to make the first move. We are to go. We can't control what the other person's going to do, but we are to be the ones that be to take the first step because it's more important. 
that we are on the same page because you see we are in the same family you know he says at the bottom doesn't he in verse 3 he says the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life we're in that together uh, a number of years ago we went to a place in Montville who knows Montville up in the back of the Sunshine Coast beautiful little town isn't it it's a gorgeous little town and in that town there's a shop there that has all things Scottish got all things Scottish. You can go in there, you can find whatever you like in there. It's got everything to do with Scottish. I don't think you can actually find a living haggis, but you probably, if you pushed around, you might find it. Uh, but you can go in there, you can look around, you can find all sorts of things. And so I thought, uh, McKendrick sounds Scottish, doesn't it? And we've been talking about it in our family for a long time, that we're Scottish. And so I thought, well, if I go into this place here, maybe I could work that out. And in there, you, there is. There's a book with all the Scottish names in them. All the Scottish names that have ever been anywhere are in this book. So I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to find my name. So I go through and I look through the Macs and I look through things and, and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm thinking, I can't find it. Oh, no, maybe I'm Irish. Oh, maybe I'm not Scottish. Maybe, maybe I am. Oh, well, Irish Tasmanian. That would be even worse. Maybe that's what I am. And I kept looking and I kept looking and then there was the deriv derivatives, the derivations of those names. And there it was. I'm Scottish. Woohoo! Yeah. My name was in the book. It was there. Well, you know, that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, Scottish, Irish, English, uh, Polish, Dutch. It doesn't really matter where you come from in one sense, does it? doesn't change who you are ultimately and doesn't change your life ultimately. But there is one book that does change your life. And it's the book of life. It's God's book with all his names of all his people and his family within it. How do you have your name on that book? How do you know that your name is there? Paul says all you need to do is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is it. If you trust in Jesus, your name is there. It's wonderful news, isn't it? Your name is there if you put your trust in Jesus. Your name is even there before you put your trust in Jesus. But when you have, you know for certain that it is there. And when your name's there, then you're part of God's family. And when you're part of God's family, then unity and peaceful relations between God's people and God's family are priorities. So peace between believers and peace for the believer. Peace between believers in verses 2 to 3 and peace for the believer in verses 4 to 9. Uh, can I say, we're not going to touch into the first few verses there in 4 and 5, but can I encourage you at home or in your gospel community this week, take some time to delve into that. What does it mean when Paul says rejoice? Again, I tell you to rejoice. He commands us to rejoice. Have a think about what that means to be commanded to be rejoicing. And how can he say that he commands us to be rejoicing? Delve in to think about let your gentleness be known to everyone. That's a real challenge, isn't it? Are you known for your gentleness or are you known for your pig-headedness? 
Are you known for your gentleness or are you known for the fact that you just want to bash people around with the truth? Are you known for your gentleness or are you known because you want to pressure and push and hassle people to believe what you believe? Have a think through that. Let your gentleness be known to all. And then Paul speaks to us about peace. Peace and the believer. Peace that comes from prayer and peace that comes from protecting your mind. So let's have a look at that together. Have a look at what it says there. Uh, look at it in verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which trans all understanding. And then in verse 9, And the God of peace will be with you. Uh, this passage is all wrapped up in that, isn't it? It's the peace that will guard and the peace that will be with. Those two things are promises that Paul gives us as we look at this passage together. And he says that that happens as we think this through and we think about prayer. How do we have peace of mind? How do we get that peace of mind? Uh, is it smoking a joint? Is it going to India? No. It's through prayer. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious or do not worry about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a memory verse for you, isn't there? I reckon that's one of the best that's in the whole of Philippians. It's worth you having that and nutted that into your brain, I think. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, pray. It's interesting here because when we talked about peace, it was this sense of wholeness and completeness and understanding who we are. Uh, the opposite to that in this passage is the word for anxious or the word for worry. Uh, because the word for worry there is actually the word of being pulled apart, of being ripped apart, of having your edges frayed and almost being moved out. So your wholeness and completeness is actually being torn apart. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? The shalom, the peace that uh, Paul talks about is the opposite to that, being ripped apart and torn apart. You see, Paul's not saying that we can't be concerned for things, that we can't have issues and stuff that we need to put our minds to. And he's not talking here either about the situation where it might be a hereditary or a chemical imbalance that we've worked out today, about where it just is so overpowering to the fact that we're in depression and we need uh, good medical and good chem other things to help us with that, both professional people talking to us and drugs. But he's talking about the stuff that in the everyday, when we let the stuff around us tear us and rip us apart. He's saying in that, there is an answer. In that, there is an answer to pray. And what is prayer? Prayer is when we come and speak to God, but actually prayer is an attitude before it is even we speak a word. You see, prayer is when we come in total dependence upon our loving, gracious, good, sovereign God and put everything in him. That's what prayer is. 
it's an attitude first. If we just come to God and think, well, we're just going to shoot off stuff to him and just say, load him up with the stuff that we think that we need to put towards him, then that's not what prayer is. Prayer is actually coming to him and saying that everything is in your hands, Lord. And that's why I like the picture of prayer like this. You know how often we've had the prayer like that and we've had the prayer like that, that that's often the picture. When I looked at, Googled it, uh, the pictures, 90% of them are either like this or like this. I actually think they're a wrong picture of prayer. Prayer's not about this sort of angle of shooting up or doing this or holding in. Prayer is this. It's actually holding out. Our hands in total dependence upon the living, loving, gracious, good, sovereign God who has it all. That's what prayer is. It's that attitude as we come to him and bring our things to him. And it doesn't say don't bring things to him. It does, doesn't it? It says in supplication. That's what supplication means. It actually means bring stuff to God and ask for help. That's what supplication is because we can't solve it ourselves. It's coming to that total dependence upon the God who can. It's not taking it back and holding it. It's releasing it and saying, here, it's yours. And you're asking him for that supplication. That's what it means. And thanksgiving means I'm thanking you, Lord, for whatever you bring my way because I know whatever you bring my way is ultimately for me to become more like Jesus and for my good. That's tough, isn't it? Both those things are tough, aren't they? Because we want to pull it back, don't we? We want to hold on to it. And we want it to look like we want it to look like. Because what we think looks good for us may not be what God thinks looks good for us. And we think look good for us means I need to be healthy, wealthy and wise. And everything going well. But it's not, is it? That's why if you ever hear anyone preach to you, that's what we're supposed to be like here and that's what God wants for you. Turn it off. Shut it down. Don't read it. Because if that was the case, then we'd look at Jesus and say, God failed him. You'd look at Paul and say, God failed him. It's thanksgiving. It's saying, Lord, in every situation, every circumstance, I want to thank you, Lord, for that. Don't get me wrong, that's not, that's not easy, is it? There are circumstances and situations that come our way and we think, man, I just don't know how this could possibly work out for me to become more like Jesus in it. And if we can't work it out and we want to keep diving that way, we will spiral, won't we? And we'll spiral and we'll spiral and we'll worry more and we'll be concerned more and we'll dive more. But if we can open it out and our hands out, and place it before the one who we can trust is the perfect, good, gracious, loving, sovereign God. And Paul says to us, doesn't he, that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's a promise. And I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, oh, I think I failed this week on that one. This week, I think I thought I needed to take it all in hand. This week, I thought I needed to hold on to it. And this week, I got to the point where I almost felt I couldn't answer another phone call 
thought, oh, I'm going to have to solve that. I'm going to have to fix that. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to hold on. It's going to have to be me. Oh, wasn't God gracious to me in giving me this passage to work on this week? And to smack me in the head and say, Paul, you're not God. You're not. Paul, you don't have to be God. God never made me to be God. He made me to be me. I'm no one's saviour. I can't save anyone. God is. He's the only one. He's the only one who can do that. I can't do that. Lord, I need to hand it over to you. And yes, I can pick up that phone because I know, Lord, you're the one who's going to fix it. I can be there. I can listen. I can help. I can be part of. I can encourage. I can push. I can do all those sorts of things. But, Lord, I can't do it myself. I can't. By prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, place my request before the Lord. Because he is the Lord, not me. And the peace of God that transforms all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we might have our hands out like this, but God has his hands like this around us. Isn't it a wonderful truth? That's what it means to guard. That's what it is. He comes around and he's got you. And he's never going to let you go. He's going to guard you. He's going to hold you. And he's going to bring you through. I thought this, I just uh, came across this today uh, when I was looking through during the week. It says, uh, practice the pause. When in doubt, pause. When angry, Pause. When tired, pause. When stress, pause. And when you pause, pray. How much do we do that? <laughs> How much do we go, oh, I'm stressed, let's go and try and fix it. I pause and pray. Pause and pray. So often I, I miss this mark. So often it, I go into the fixer mode. So often I go into trying to sort it. Try often I try to be God. But we're not. We need to get our hands out and pray. Trusting in our Heavenly Father that good, gracious, loving, sovereign God that we have. And he'll guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The whole, that means the whole person. You know, the worry, the ripped apart, the frayed, the pulled apart. Well, the opposite of that is being brought together, isn't it? That's what God does in our hearts and our minds. He pulls us together. The whole person that Paul is saying there, the whole person is pulled together and protected and guarded by God. Prayer brings peace because prayer is an attitude of total dependence upon the God who is loving, gracious, sovereign God who has everything to bring you to be more like Jesus who holds you in his hands and never lets you go. That's why prayer works, because of him.
And then Paul says, even in that though, he says, don't just think it's going to happen either, by the way. In one sense he's saying, you've got to put your complete trust there and that's wonderful, but at the same time, it's beautiful, isn't it, Paul? He never just says, well, okay, just let it go and sit back and wait and get in your armchair in one sense and just sit back. He actually says, no, 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 actually, you're part of this. He says, God hasn't made you into little robots just to tinker around and be pushed by him no 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 you've got responsibility he wants you to be involved and he says to guard your minds guard your minds Uh, there's two really uh, popular things at the moment in society you'll hear these at different places one is called neuroplasticity we've even talked about it here it's a wonderful thing that they've just found out about our brain Uh, that if we can work our brain and do things, you can actually change the pathways of your brain and change the way we think and change our actions. That our brain actually can... You know the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? It's proven wrong. You actually can. Ronnie, you can. It can happen. You can change. Ronnie used to use that saying on me every now and then. You can, you can change. I thought you couldn't either. But we can change, we can all change. Our brains can change. We can actually have things that we used to do things all one way. We can actually train our brain to not have those neural pathways and do it differently. And we need to exercise our brains to do that. Wow, isn't great science that they've done that? Woohoo! God knew that beforehand, didn't he? That's what he's saying in this passage. He says, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is pure, think of these things. And the other thing that you'll see that people talk about now is called mindfulness. Uh, it's, it's a great practice. It helps to train your neural pathways as well. It takes away from saying to having your mind full of clutter, being pulled and stressed apart, to actually concentrating and spending time on and being in the moment. Of actually slowing our brains down and thinking about stuff that's good and stuff that's helpful and takes your mind in a good direction. Isn't isn't the world amazing? Neuroplasticity, mindfulness, the two great things that we're talking about. Paul wrote this how many years ago? 2,000 years ago. And what does he say? Look at this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, well, they're nice things. Forget about it. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say these are just nice platitudes, they're lovely things that you can just put out in the end. He says, think about such things. Now we could spend a whole talk and we could be here for a lot longer and we can go through each of those, whatever is true, whatever is no water, whatever is bright, whatever is pure, you can think about that. But in general, what it is saying is the stuff and the beauty of God think about. Set your mind to these things. If you want to encapsulate it in one person, set your minds on who Jesus is. But set your mind on the things that Jesus sees as beautiful. The things that are pure, the things that are true, the things that are noble, the things that are praiseworthy, the things that are excellent. And there's so much of it in the world, isn't there, that God has provided for us. He says those are the things that we need to be thinking about. In this world where we are 24-7 on our phones, when we are continually being pumped with stuff, there is hardly a time now that I reckon uh, the kids that are growing up with us, and even now, that we don't want to have our phones. They've got to be with us, don't they? 
They're there the whole time. And you can feed stuff into your brain constantly. And it's constantly being bombarded with stuff. And that's not just today, that's been since the beginning of time. By the way, we just have technology that's making it even more intrusive. Paul said it back 2,000 years ago. And he says it to us now, doesn't he? He says, think about these types of things. Think about the beauty of God. The gloriness of his creation. The wonder of his people. And of his saviour, Jesus. Fill your minds with these things. Because you see, what your mind thinks about is what you do. You know when our mind runs? We start to act that out, don't we? The old saying, isn't it? Garbage in, garbage out. Our brain is like that. What we become, we become what we think about. Now that almost sounds like the Church of Scientology, doesn't it? But it's not though. It's actually scriptural. But it's what you're thinking about is the important thing. It's what you're putting into your brain that's what's most important. It's not that you can, you can produce your own reality, but you can change the way you believe, what you think, and you therefore can change your actions by putting things into your brain that are thinking of the true, the pure, the holy, the trustworthy, the praiseworthy, the excellent. Because this here works with this here to work in what we do out here. We need to remember that because I think we get a bit blasé with what we put into here. And ah, you know, that's all right. A little bit of porn won't hurt. A little bit of extreme violence won't hurt. A little bit of materialism won't hurt. A little bit of... I'm not here to be the mind police for you. It's not what Paul's saying, isn't it? Paul doesn't put up the list of not what to think of. Paul puts up the list of things to think of. And you've got to work that out between you and God. You've got to sit down and think that through. Because <laughs> I tell you what, the stuff that we feed here comes out here and it comes out in the way we treat our wives, the way we treat our husbands, the way we treat our kids, the way we treat each other, the way we relate to the world, the way that we see the world. Fill your mind what is, what it, with what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Uh, you've been probably thinking, man, that McKendrick, every week he's been telling us to have memory verses and every week I don't do it. What a pain! <laughs> do you know the reason why I'm telling you that? The reason why I'm trying to bash it into you in one sense? It's because of this. It's not because I just want you to be able to write, learn a verse for me. But I want you to see that's where the true, the excellent, the praiseworthy is. We're feeding our mind with God's word. Then as God's word comes into our mind, his spirit takes it, applies it to our heart, and his spirit works it within us, and we come out and we live lives that are worthy of Jesus Christ. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at NCCC. And Dave Cook said something really, I thought was really, really, I think I'd heard it before, but he said it, he said it profound. He says, the most influential person in your life is you. Wherever you go, you're there. 
Whatever you do, you're there. And you are always speaking to yourself. You are speaking to yourself right now. Some of you are saying, man, I've got a roast on at home. Can that McKendrick be quiet? Some of you will be saying, oh, look, come on, he's gone on for ages. Some of you will be thinking, oh, I wonder whether I can play golf in the next couple of days. Will, they, you know, will the water be off the ground? Some of you are thinking, man, I'm looking for water for morning tea. You're, you're talking to yourself right now, aren't you? You are. I am. I'm even saying, some of them say, no, I'm not thinking that. And some of them say, yeah, I'm thinking that. What's going on? I'm speaking to you and I'm talking to myself as I'm going. You know, the old saying used to be, uh, if you speak to yourself, you're going mad. And if you answer yourself, you've really gone mad. Uh, both of those are untrue as well, aren't they? We, everybody speaks to themselves. We are continually telling ourselves stuff. And if we're continually telling our stuff that is out there that is not true, that is not noble, that is not praiseworthy, that is not excellent, that is not, then we're going to believe it and then we're going to believe those words about ourselves and we're going to be hearing people who speak to us and tell us that we're not good enough, that we aren't up to this, that we can't match that. We're going to be discontent, we're going to be worried, we're going to get concerned, we're going to drive ourselves down and we're going to go into a hole. So Paul says to us, think on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things, guys. Fill your minds with these things. And what's the promise that comes with it? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will be with you. You know, it's that, the second part? In the first part, it's the peace of God will guard. In the second part, the peace of God will be with. And I've combined them there in that one, if you can read it. It says, and the peace of God that transcends all our understanding will be with you and will guard you. Your hearts and your minds, that's your whole self in Christ Jesus. He will pull us back so that we will experience shalom so that we will experience peace. Let's pray. But that's for you and I. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing passage that we have before us. Lord, your word just speaks to us. It opens up, it casts us open, it shows us where, Lord, we've fallen short, where we've gone off in the right direction but Lord it pulls us back to you Heavenly Father we want to thank you and praise you for the wonderful truths we've heard this morning Heavenly Father may your spirit apply that into our lives and may we know that and experience that and have that shalom have that peace Lord that transcends all understanding that is with us in you and guarded around us in Jesus Christ May we experience your hands around us. May we experience your empowering to go and live that life. May you give us the guts and the determination to think on those true and noble and praiseworthy and excellent things, Lord. The beauty of you, the beauty of Jesus. And Lord, within all of that, Lord, may we know your peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.